Welcome to Journey of a Coach. My name is Stephen Hood. I'm a coach who just enjoys asking questions, and we're going to get to hear from coaches across the country about some of the things that have made them who they are today and what they've learned along the way. I'm glad that you tuned into today's episode, so buckle up and let the journey begin. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. We have an absolute legend on the show today. She's the head coach of the TW Gymnastics team. She puts up with me every single day, and she's won a lot. She's won eight different honors as an assistant coach and a head coach. She's won four national championships. She's won the academic national championship, having the highest GPA across Division One, Two, II, and Three. She's an absolute legend. She's one of my best friends. Please welcome Lisa Bowerman. So I grew up doing gymnastics, obviously, uh, competed in club, um, and then went on to compete in college. And I just was always, I just loved the sport. I loved everything about the sport. I loved learning about the sport. I had great coaches who taught me a lot along the way. And I don't think I realized at the time how much that was shaping and influencing me, but just learned and and always loved the sport and so when i finished competing i had decided i was going to go to grad school and i wanted to get my master's so i actually chose texas women's as where i wanted to do my master's degree in exercise and sports nutrition Um, every intention of going on to be a sports dietitian and really wanted to specialize in helping individuals with eating disorders uh, and that was really my plan and my direction. And once I made that decision, I went home and told my coach that this was where I was going. And um, I knew that he was very good friends with Frank Kudlak, who was the head coach here before me and his wife, Jonna. And so, you know, when I told him I was coming here, he said, well, have you talked to Frank? Maybe he's got a grad assistant position or something. You could coach while you're in school. And I was like, sure, why not? Uh, So I got in touch with Frank and I told him I was coming. I said, but the problem is I graduate in December. Uh, I had one extra class to finish at Illinois State. And so I was like, you know, it'd be in the middle of the year. You probably need someone before that. And he said, no, actually, this is the first time I've ever been funded for a GA and I'm not funded until spring semester. So it was um, just perfect. It was perfect timing. And so I finished uh, my undergrad, came here, started with the team uh, when they came back from Christmas break. And uh, within a very short time, couple of days, just fell in love with coaching and uh, with immediately understanding uh, the ability I had to have an impact on the girls that I was coaching and to, you know, kind of repay some of the impact that so many had on me growing up. Uh, in club and in college. And so uh, stayed here and finished my master's degree and then had an opportunity to take on a full-time assistant position here. Uh, again, didn't really think that that was going to be the plan. I had, you know, aspirations of, you know, searching all over the country and, and moving, you know, or whatever it took and uh, just was blessed with an opportunity to stay here. So did that. And then uh Coach Kudlak uh, decided it was time for him to retire and announced that retirement. And I was fortunate to take over the program for him um, in 2011 after he retired. 
So here I am. Boom. That's cool. One thing we've never talked about, but I'm kind of curious about is if you were doing your graduate program in sports nutrition Mm -hmm. and learning about that, and that's something that you were and are still super passionate about, but at the same time, like now you're getting into coaching, was that a pretty big struggle with learning about something that you're passionate about and kind of pursuing the sports dietitian side of everything? while also kind of falling in love with coaching more like was it mm-hmm. easier or was that harder having those two things side by side um i i don't really think it was much of a conflict really because the reason i you know did nutrition and my undergrad and sports nutrition was i've always I've always been passionate about food and nutrition and since i was young i loved going to the grocery store and things like that that i didn't realize were weird for a teenager until I grew up. But uh, so I was still very passionate about learning more in the nutrition world. And so much of what I was doing in that program connected to what I was doing as a coach, uh, because it was, it's basically a program that's set up that's, you know, pretty much half nutrition classes and half kinesiology. So There was a lot of exercise testing and anatomy and all those type of things uh, along with the nutrition side. And so I definitely just saw it as something that was growing my knowledge base for what I wanted to do in coaching anyway. So it actually worked extremely well together. Uh, I think there was maybe a little bit of conflict with uh, time and attention and wanting to pour myself into coaching more and more. But I'm also uh, a perfectionist and had always been a very good student. And so the idea of not doing well in school was never an option for me. So (laughs) I made sure I did what I needed to do. All right. So let's talk a little bit about, as a coach, knowing who you are and letting that grow into your program in every way Mm -hmm. and how, how... staying true to yourself can be one of your greatest strengths as a coach? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I think for me, because of the path that I took, uh, what has been incredible, and there's so many positives to that and to um, being able to come here and find a home and grow in this place um, and in this program. Um, But I think with that comes some innate challenges to, you know, taking over the program after Frank had been here 33 years and had established, uh, you know, his program and his system and, and his culture. And I was a part of that for seven years before I became the head coach. And so, uh, I think at first when I became the head coach, it was a little bit difficult for me to, make a lot of changes or adjustments because, you know, I felt like, okay, this is, this is good. There's a good foundation. There's a lot of good here. I don't want to rock the boat too much. I don't want to change too much. And so for me, it was kind of a gradual process of really figuring out exactly what I wanted my program to look like and to feel like, and to be, while staying true to the history of the program and the tradition that it already had. And so I, you know, in the first couple of years, I was, I was fairly slow to make changes. And, and then I would say in probably 
like my third or fourth year, I really uh, started having good, uh, challenging questions from my uh, from my staff at the time, and so it really made me start to think about okay, why why do I do this? Why do I do that? And if the answer is because this is what we've always done, then that wasn't good enough. Um, and so I really started to dig deeper into, okay, if I agree with this and, and I can explain why and it's good, then let's keep it. But if not, then maybe it's time to make a change. And so started making some changes that I think were really positive, but I think a couple years into that, I did start to let too much of that idea of change come in. And I think, you know, one thing I've known since the very beginning of being a coach, like I said, was just to me, there's nothing more important than uh, the ability to positively impact those girls and to be a positive role model and to be support and to build their confidence. And, and that has always been the core of, of who I am as a coach. And, and I've always, you know, I had always said, like, if I can't win or have success doing it this way, then I'm not going to do it anymore because I know there are coaches out there that have had success with a lot of negative tactics and things like that, that are not good and are not healthy. But, um, I was never okay with finding success in that way. Uh, but I will say, you know, a couple years down the road, uh, I did start kind of paying attention or, um, just creating in my mind this need from whether it be from the team or from other people around me of, okay, I feel like I need to be more of this, or I need to be more of that, or I can't be so understanding with this and I need to be tougher on that. And, um, so I, I started finding myself making these changes and, and for pretty much an entire year, um, and season, I feel like I just really lost myself as a coach and, and was just more negative. Um, and what I thought was being t more tough and what people needed and wanted from me as a leader. Um, and it was very shortly after that year, um, as soon as that year ended that I just had to stop and reevaluate and realize that one, we were not successful anyway. <laughs> um, two, I was really unhappy. My team was unhappy. Uh, and so for me, that was, you know, it's one of those things that's a really unfortunate thing that happened and, and I, I wish it hadn't, but at the same time, it was that wake up call that I needed as a young coach to realize that I have to go back to that and to being true to who I am. And I can only be the best coach I can be if I'm true to that. And sometimes it'll create success and sometimes it won't work out that way, but, um, I can't get caught up in the noise or expectations and rather just focus on who I am and, and what I'm here for. Yeah. You feel like, so that year that you felt like you got away from it mm -hmm. and kind of hit like that place where it was like, all right, this isn't who I want to be. This isn't what I want my program to be about. Do you feel like it took hitting kind of that low, so to speak, to say, okay, like something's got to change. Let's get back to who I really am. Mm -hmm. Or were there things that helped you build your confidence to stand up? to those pressures that you felt like were being put on you from whether it be outside people or the team like were there things that helped you build your confidence in that or was it more hitting that low place and saying all right like something's got to change 
I would say a combination, yeah. honestly. Uh, I think, you know, a, a good part of it was just hitting that place and, and knowing what that felt like and, and then going through the thought process of how did, how did I get to this place and why do I feel this way? Because, again, I don't think it's something that I, I realized in the midst of it. You know, it's, it was just kind of, I felt like I was doing the right thing in the moment for what was needed. And then in hindsight, when I went back and thought about it was when I realized, you know, really what was going on and, and, um, how it was not helpful. Um, also that year, um, my seniors were, uh, very strong leaders and I think they very much knew uh, my heart and who I had been and who I intend to be and they weren't seeing that and they actually called me on it. And um, I remember that being really impactful to me as well to say, you know, these are, these are the things we're seeing and these are some things that um, is going on in the gym and practice with our culture that like, isn't, isn't what we're used to. And we know isn't what you would want to be happening. Uh, so I think that I'm grateful to them because obviously that took a ton of courage, but that, that came from a place that we had such a strong relationship before that because of, um, what the culture was and what my relationship was with them, that they, they knew they could come to me with that. And, and I appreciated that. And that definitely played a part. That's a great segue into talking about people and surrounding yourself with the right people to have your back when things get harder, when things, you know, take a little bit of a turn for a direction that you don't want. How important to you is finding the right people for your team, whether that be in athletes or coaches mm -hmm. or support staff? How important is that to you? Honestly, that's everything. And, um, you know, I think that's something that uh, in small ways here and there, I know that I've drifted on as well and maybe made a rash choice based on, um, you know, a talent or something like that. But um, I, there's absolutely no part of me that believes that the best kind of success um, can come from having the right people. And, um, you know, I've always believed that. And, and when it's come to staff, you know, I, I've always chosen people that are amazing people more than anything else. Um, and, you know, of course, like skill and experience are important, but, uh, I definitely know that those things can be taught if someone wants to learn them and is humble and is hungry and is open. And, um, but to me, when it comes to staff in particular, I know that just like what I have is, is that uh, ability to have an impact on these student athletes by being around them every day. And um, as assistant coaches, probably even more so at some points, you know, in the year and, and just interaction wise that uh, I would never want to put somebody out there with our student athletes who are going to have any sort of negative impact on them. Um, and so that's, that's really important. And then, you know, as far as the team goes, we could have, and it's such a cliche, but I, it is so true that you can have 
all of the talent in the world, but if you don't have chemistry and you don't have relationships um, within that team and you don't have trust and care and, and all those things, then maybe you'll get that lucky strike once in a while and have success. But I don't think that one, that success could be maintained on a consistent basis. And two, I think even if success in the athletic world, such as a championship or records are attained, um, it, it may mean nothing to that team and that staff in the end if they actually spent the year, you know, just feeling like an individual or at odds with teammates, not feeling a part of the program. Um, and to win a championship means so much less. Um, and then just what they're learning and what they're going to carry into life is um, always important. And so, you know, here we, uh, it's always people first. Um, talent's important. And, um, but if you have the right people, then you're going to win in every way, in every sense of the word. And so that always comes first for us and it always will. Yep. So once you get the right people in the right place, I know incredible things can happen on their own, but you also do an awesome job being strategic in how we develop our leaders. What do you think are some of the most important things maybe for a young coach that's listening to this, starting their program and they're trying to bring in the right people, but what are some tips that you would have for how to continue to grow that from their freshman year all the way through to their senior year? You know, I think the very first step, you know, kind of just goes back to finding the right people and knowing who those people are and creating that trust and that relationship right off the bat so that they they trust you in that process. Because uh, I think that just culturally maybe, or, you know, it's just kind of the norm sometimes for them to come in and be like, okay, I need to do well in school and I need to be competing and get good scores. Like that's what you expect of me. And so I think sometimes as freshmen, when we introduce these ideas of, you know, character building and reflection and thinking and talking and relationships and, and the importance of those things, I think sometimes that's really new to them and really unexpected. So uh, I think if the culture is not already in place with your older student athletes who've been there, um, and if we as a staff don't show the buy-in and we don't have that relationship to begin with, then they're not going to buy into that in the first place. So you're not going to get anywhere. <laughs> um, and so that initially in the freshman year, I think is just really um, important in them seeing that that is a part of your culture, how it can help and that, you know, it's truly important. And for us, one of the ways that that um, I think plays out is that we always have two hours of our Saturday set aside for character building and team building and relationship building and whatever that looks like. And um, most of the time that's bringing in a speaker on uh, Saturday and, and we've had, you know, all sorts of different folks from campus to the Denton community, some are coaches, some are not. But I think that that speaks really loudly to the girls right off the bat that, you know, we're not just bringing in just coaches who tell you how to win, win, win. Um, we're bringing in really amazing people who are living with integrity and good character and whatever it is they're doing and can really 
just give the girls kind of an outside view of what all of these things look like in real life. And so I think that's where the buy-in starts with our girls. And then, um, you know, it's just kind of a steady progression over the next few years of, you know, they become sophomores and um, trying to give them some of that responsibility and ownership over, okay, you're leaders now and you just finished that freshman year. So how can you help these freshmen? You were just in their shoes and it's fresh for you. And so trying to give them that ownership, I think, helps them progress in their character and their leadership. And then as they move into their junior year, then you start trying to kind of prepare them for the thought of, okay, these seniors that are leading you right now uh, will be gone next year. So uh, how can you start developing your leadership? Um, how can you be intentional about watching them, listening to them, having conversations with them about how to lead so that you're ready to step into that role as a senior? And then, of course, as a senior, <laughs> um, trying to help them understand, you know, they, I think they always have ideas of what leadership looks like and what it's going to look like when they get to their senior year. But when they actually get there, sometimes I think it's a little harder to navigate than they anticipate. So trying to guide them through that process of being the decision makers at times and, um, you know, having to speak up sometimes when it's uncomfortable. Um, and so just helping them develop in that way. Yeah. That's awesome. And I think with the two hours devoted just to that, I mean, you think about that and that's a tenth of all of our time, like strength mm -hmm. conditioning, engine practice. Mm -hmm. That's pretty significant. Mm -hmm. And, you know, credit to you for putting your money where your mouth is in that because it's easy to say people are important, character is important, developing you as a leader is important, but gymnastics is more important. Mm -hmm. um, so that's awesome. And I think that's something that you do awesome, like really, really well with our program as a whole. It's like if we say something's important, it is important and we're going to show how it's important. Mm -hmm. How big of a piece do you think that plays in developing you know, the buzzword of culture these days. Because mm -hmm. I feel like it's easy for a lot of coaches to say, you know, this flies on our team, this doesn't fly on our team, these are our priorities, this isn't important, don't worry about this. Mm -hmm. um, but I think so many times those lines get blurred, there's gray areas, and because of that, culture kind of suffers. So how important do you think putting your money where your mouth is as a coach, especially as a head coach and leading the way, how important do you think that is in developing a strong, consistent culture? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree that um, culture has become such a buzzword and a feel-good word, and everybody wants to talk about their culture and their family atmosphere and, and those type of things. But to me, following through and, like you said, putting your money where your mouth is, that is everything. Without that, you don't have anything except maybe a bunch of signs on a wall um, or a bunch of words that you say to a recruit or something like that. But, you know, and that's just, to me, something that has always been important to me in every aspect of my life, um, not just as a head coach, but, you know, that idea of, of servant leadership and of just, there, there is nothing below me that, you know, I, I shouldn't, be able to do for somebody, anybody, whether it's here or out on the street or my family. Um, you know, I love, I love helping others and I, 
and I love, um, like I said, just the opportunity to to be a role model for the girls that that we have the opportunity to work with. And I think the best way for them to truly understand and incorporate these things in their life is to see others doing it. And so again, that goes back to you know hiring assistant coaches and staff that I it's so important to me um, and why you know I've had the the coaches that I've had here because um, they're people who demonstrate those things and who are willing to do those things too um, but yeah I definitely just think that that's everything and and also I think the way that you really know that that's um, what your culture really is and really exists is when you know you hear some of the girls on the team talking amongst themselves and maybe they don't know you're listening and you hear them talking in ways about things that you know we've kind of helped them develop in their character or when they um, a recruit or somebody asks them how they describe their experience and it lines up exactly with you know, the things that we hope it does without us prompting, without us even standing there, um, or you hear it from, you know, people outside of, of this building. To me, that's that's the proof right there that um, that they get it and that it really is who we are and not just what we say. So we've talked a lot about getting the right people. What are some of the things that you look for from a character piece, you know, with a baseline understanding that the minimum requirements are met. What do you mm -hmm. look for as far as character? A lot of things. Uh, loyalty is huge to me. Uh, I'm a very loyal person. Uh, and so people who are going to be loyal, not just to me, but to our program and to our student athletes, because uh, again, whatever anyone who's a part of our program does or says is going to affect everybody else. Um, and so uh, I, I think having loyalty and trust are probably the number one things that, that I look for. I need to be able to trust whoever I'm working with. Uh, and so those are, those are probably the two keys. And then, like I said, just that uh, servant leadership piece of, of individuals who are not going to feel um, you know, that they're above anybody or anything that just want to work hard and do what's best for this program and for those girls and that are always going to put those girls first. Um, those are the, those are the most important things. Like I said, all the other skills can be taught. Yeah. And then, so I know that there are some athletes that are listening in recruiting. What are some of those big key characteristics that when you see, you're like, I want them on my team. Mm. Yes. Honestly, I, the interaction they have with their coaches and their teammates is huge uh, in terms of those are just that overall energy that they put off. It's something that in some ways is intangible, but it's also very tangible that uh, when, you know, they have good eye contact, good communication with their coaches, you see them, um, you know, running over to help a teammate with a mat or something like that. Uh, those kind of things really draw me in to an athlete. Uh, and also having 
confidence just in, you know, who they are and in their gymnastics. And, uh, you know, sometimes that shows itself in different ways. Uh, but, you know, we've had some girls that, uh, you know, if you just see them standing there waiting their turn, they look very attentive, ready to go. But when they do gymnastics, just turn it on and have an intensity and like competitive fire about them that you can just see and feel. And, um, and so that's, that always is an attention grabber. And on the flip side, things that will immediately scratch a name off of a list is someone who's throwing a fit, pouting, talking back to a coach, um, just being bossy and disrespectful to people around them. Those are not part of who we are. So they're not people who we're going to look at. So they can be the best kid in the gym, but that'll take them right off the list. (laughs) One thing we've talked a lot about recently as a staff is sacred time. And it's something that you've encouraged us to set aside. And you've you've led the way and been an example in that, Uh, whether that be for family time or for taking time for yourself. And it's something that you've encouraged our girls to do for a really long time is Hey, like take care of yourself, make sure you guys are in a good spot. You know, whether that's getting away and reading a book or go and get your nails done or or whatever that is for them individually. Why is that important to you? And how do you think that that plays into you as a coach? Uh, Yeah, so I think that is one of the areas that perhaps, you know, I think being a coach, you're going to evolve and progress every year of your career. And if you're not, then you should probably retire. Um, <laughs> but that's just an area that I think uh, for me personally has um, very much come to the forefront that that's an area that maybe I haven't been doing as great of a job of being the example, um, you know, and, and kind of finding myself taking things as they come and feeling overwhelmed and putting things on the back burner that maybe uh, shouldn't be things for me personally or family. And uh, like you said, you know, always making a point of that with the girls. And and so uh, it's just kind of one of those things that recently, you know, I thought, okay, this can't just be uh, when I have time or I try to do these things and I hope my assistants are doing these things. Uh, It just, you know, really hit me that I know I can, I can be more intentional in that time and setting that time aside. And so, um, you know, then that brought me to, I don't want to just assume that, um, that Steven and Kristen know that they should do these things or assume that they are taking care of themselves because for so many years, you know, going through this journey, I felt, and, and at times I have done a better job with it, but Um, felt like I was doing what I needed to do and taking care of everybody else. And that was just how it needed to go. Um, And so, you know, having that conversation uh, with you guys to make sure that that's an intentional thing for you at an earlier point in your career. And it's just um, will be something that hopefully you'll continue to do and continue to benefit from and down the road, your families will benefit from and, um, But I mean, all in all, just like the girls can't be the best they could possibly be in the gym or in the classroom if they're not 
um, truly taking care of themselves mentally and emotionally and physically and all of those things, um, none of us can be either. So it just, it needs to be the priority um, so that we can be our best and also um, just for everyone around us who loves us and cares about us and will lead the way. Well, thank you for doing that too. What's your definition of a great coach? And, you know, morphed between coaches you've had in the past and coaches um, that are colleagues now that you, you know, respect how they run their program. What are some of those things that, that make, uh, like, the greatest coach in your mind? What are the most important things? I would say the two most important things are passion and care. Uh, to me, the most impactful coaches in my life that either coached me or that I've known or that I've, you know, kind of been drawn to in a way of like, that that's somebody I respect, um, are people who, you know, again, it goes back to the people and you care deeply about the people that, that you're coaching um, and not just the stats or the results. Um, and so caring about people first and, and showing that and how they run their program uh, is very important. Uh, but I also, that passion is so important because you can be loving and caring as much as you want, but if, if it's just, uh, just a bunch of caring, everybody be happy, everybody like just kind of go about your day, um, then there's a piece missing in my mind. So um, it's those people who care, but also are passionate about what they do, can um, share that passion. You feel that passion when they talk about their people, when they talk about what they do, when they talk about their goals. Um, that passion piece is huge. And I think that plays a huge role in um, motivating student athletes and the buy-in that they have. And so those two pieces are really what I respect. What do you hope all of your athletes know about you? Um, <laughs> I feel like it, it feels a little generic or redundant, but I hope they know that I love them and I care about them and I would want the best for them. Like it's, it's really that simple, whatever that looks like for them. Um, you know, they may not always see that or feel that in every single situation at the time. Um, but just my hope is that they know that that's that's ultimately the goal is just having the best for them. Yeah. And I can see that in the relationship that you have with the girls that you have coached and have graduated and moved on, but the relationship that you guys still have is super cool. Super cool to see. What are some of your favorite coaching resources and things that help you continue to grow as a coach and as a person? I love, love, love books. Um, at this stage in my life with little people at home, I don't have a ton of time to read, but uh, I always try to catch up on that as much as I can, especially when we're traveling. Airplane rides are, are great. Um, but um, I would say some of my absolute favorites, uh, What Drives Winning is amazing. Uh, gotten so, so many great things from um, from that over the last few years through their books and videos and just things that spark ideas that we can we can use here. Tony Dungy, his books 
amazing. Uh, those were probably some of my earliest like coaching type of books that I read that really impacted me. And I constantly go back to those and my little pages that are marked and things that are highlighted. And, and for him in, in his book, Quiet Strength, that was, um, you know, he specifically talks a lot about that concept of like, you know, being patient and finding success in his way, in the right way and um, how rewarding that was when he got there. And so I, I relate really a lot to that. One of my other most impactful books, I would say, was uh, Lead for God's Sake. And that was actually um, Garrett Griffith gave that to me after the season of struggle that I felt like I got away from myself and my heart a little bit. And, and so that was um, also really helpful in bringing me back. And uh, so that's, that's another one I reference a lot, but there's so many great books and resources and now um, podcasts that, you know, I'm always tuning into when I'm in the car because that's another quiet time that I can get. Um, and so just, you know, asking friends, asking colleagues and we do, I, I, that's another thing I love about our staff here is I feel like, you know, all three of us are very much, um, wanting to constantly learn and get better and and um, learn more about ourselves and and learn from others and so we exchange a lot of ideas and books and podcasts and things so um i think it challenges all of us and helps us grow too so just people yeah that's one of my favorite things about us as a staff it's like mm -hmm. we all want to be better and want each other to be better yep all right so as a mom you have a second full-time job and you do it really, really well. And for a lot of young, especially female coaches that are listening to this, I'm sure the idea of having a family one day is super intimidating. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'm sure probably at one point you question, is this something I'll be able to do and like make it work and figure out, do you have any encouragement for people that are kind of considering being a, a mom and starting a family? and are a coach and are just kind of overwhelmed right now with like, I don't even know if this is possible or if I'm gonna to have to give up, mm -hmm. give up the dream of having a family or give up the dream of being a coach. Mm -hmm. What kind of encouragement do you have for them? Uh, yeah, a lot of experience in this area. Um, the, thing, the things that I think are the biggest keys are um, have an amazing husband. <laughs> Um, I, that support system is 100% a big, big key. My husband is absolutely the most amazing. And, um, you know, I don't have to think twice about leaving for a weekend and, and just knowing that him and the kids are good. They're going to have fun. They may not do everything exactly the way I would do it or go to bed when I would put them to bed, but, but no, that that's extremely important. Just who, who that other person is who is going to be your biggest support system. And uh, I think it's really important to find, I guess, a mentor in a way, someone that um, you can look to and, and whether it's someone you talk to on a regular basis or it's someone you can just look at, you know, um, that you follow on Twitter or that you know through your profession that is doing it or has done it to say, okay, like this is going to turn out okay. For me, that was really, I mean, a lot of people, but I'll never forget Margie Cunningham from George Washington. 
before I even had kids, we were at, at a coach's meeting and we were talking about, I was just getting married and, you know, made a comment about like, oh, I just don't know if I'll be able to have a family and be a head coach. And she just stopped and looked at me and said, you can do it. Don't, don't get out of coaching because you want a family. You can do it. And like, I'll never forget that. And I've used her as a resource. She's got two grown kids who are incredible, who adore her and are successful. And, um, and so, you know, when I've had some of my hardest times or questioning times, I've, I've called her and um, she just can encourage me, you know, yeah, it's going to be hard. Um, there's no doubt about that, but that um, you can do it. And that just like, it's important to me to be a good role model for these girls. I hope on some level um, I can be that for my kids and my daughter in particular to, to, to know that that's possible. Um, and even for our girls, you know, a lot of them probably aspire to have great careers and families. And so whether it's coaching or whether it's a career in any field, I think it's hard. Um, and so my hope is too, that that's another small piece of what they take from me is, um, is seeing that as possible to do both and maybe not well every day, but, <laughs> um, but to, uh, to be able to do that and to be able to just see that um, as something that they can do in the future. Well, I think you do a great job. Thanks. So going back just a little bit to, you're talking about how important it is to, to stay true to who you are and know who you are and keeping your program in line with that. A lot of that, I think, takes time. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's anything other than time that can help people come to that realization faster? Or do you think it's just, it's a lot of experience mm -hmm. and getting to know yourself and failing early and often? Mm -hmm. You know, maybe in certain areas you can um, learn some of those things a little quicker or avoid some of those mistakes by um, who you surround yourself with and using your resources, uh, you know, to not be afraid to ask questions before you try things sometimes if you're really unsure. Um, because I think sometimes that, you know, those failures or those misdirections can be avoided by simply talking it out with someone that you trust and someone that you know thinks like you or, or thinks like what you want to think, um, shares your philosophy and things like that. But I do think a lot of it is time and is, uh, again, I think it just goes back to being somebody who wants to continually get better and you kind of go into it knowing okay, I might not love how this turns out, but as long as I'm not putting anyone in danger, there's nothing detrimental here, that's okay, you know, and, um, and I can use that to make adjustments and to be better, um, because I think sometimes people get stuck in the opposite of being afraid to make mistakes, being afraid to try something that doesn't work, and so they just keep saying, doing the same old thing, and at some point, you know, you're just stuck. So um, I think a lot of it is time and trial and error, but um, I think there's a lot of resources out there that can be beneficial too to help some of those things. Sometimes you just have to experience it. Someone may tell you this isn't going to work or this isn't a good idea, but you have to experience it for yourself. And I think that's okay. And I, 
think it's important that you surround yourself with people who um, encourage that and support you through those times too. All right, two more questions. Okay. Question number one is how or in what way do you feel like you've changed or developed most as a coach since when you started and today? Uh, I would say, um, I, I think this is probably a fairly natural progression, but I think the biggest change is just in seeing um, more of a small section of things to seeing the big picture all the time. Uh, I think early on um, as a graduate assistant, assistant, you know, it's like my roles and responsibilities grew and the areas that I was thinking more and looking more at grew. But um, I think being a head coach um, and every year learning more and more <laughs> what that looks like in terms of the big picture and um, how my mind spends a lot of time on the big picture versus way back, it spent a little bit of time there, but the majority of my time was spent on smaller things like, you know, I could spend three hours in the day coming up with like the perfect beam workout and the game and all of the arts and crafts that went with it and, and spend all of that time. Um, and now like those are things I've become more efficient at um, and spend a little more time on big picture things. And then the last question is what's, what's a piece of advice you would give yourself your first year as a head coach? Uh, I don't know. Like, I mean, that's, that's a tricky question because I, like, I didn't mention this when we were talking about being a mom, but I also had my first baby, uh, four days before my first meet as a head coach. So I honestly feel like I did a pretty darn good job that year. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I don't think it, it was really at that point in time that I was thinking too much about uh, what are other people thinking or what am I doing right or what am I doing wrong? I was just surviving. Um, <laughs> so I would probably just tell myself, good job. <laughs> it's not, that's not a helpful answer that's for okay. most people, but. <laughs> Why don't you tell everybody where where they can find you, where they can follow you, where they can follow TW Gymnastics? That's a good question. Um, <laughs> yeah. The handles. Pause. I don't want to show you. All right, so you can find me uh, on Twitter or Instagram at L Bowerman. And TW Gymnastics would be at TW Gymnastics on Twitter. and. TW Gymnastics on Instagram. Perfect. Thanks again. That was awesome. Thank you. Woo! That was fun. Thanks again for tuning into the episode today. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. Surround yourself with great people. Get yourself a head coach like Lisa Bowerman. And uh, enjoy the journey. It's a good one. Catch you next time. Thank you.